Gray, it's that time again. What time is it, Mike? It's an episode out of time. Oh, no. Where are we? When are we, Mike? Nobody knows. Nobody knows. So I guess we should welcome our listeners to an episode out of time three. Time strikes back. <laughs> Spend a lot of time thinking now about what these episodes can be called. Yeah. You know, the rule with movies is now when we get to an episode out of time four, it just has to be something like an episode out of time revolution. Right, you just you move to something with an R. We find a way to put the number into the text. Oh, right. I feel like number five, we could put like EPI five ODE for episode, right? And then we reboot it for six. I like that you've got the reboot already lined up. Uh, you're you're in charge of this. <laughs> CGP Gray, thank you for joining me today. I have a very important question oh. for you before we start the rest of our conversation here. I would like to know where do you see yourself in five years. <laughs> This is your performance review now. Oh, is this my performance review? Yeah. I don't do performance reviews, Mike. I'm self-employed. The reason that I bring this up with that time interval is that you have been self-employed for five years. Yeah. Yeah, that was a surprise. (laughs) Did this one pop up on you unexpectedly? Uh, It totally did. I would not have known or noticed were it not for the uh, memories function in Apple Photos. I took some photos of my last day on the job <laughs> and and they popped up in memories oh that's awesome what a great way yeah. to find that out yeah it's, it's really fun like uh, I, I do have a habit of, of taking like uh what i think of as memory shots which are photos that are not intended to be good photos but they're photos that are just intended to provoke a memory in the future uh so i have, I have a bunch of photos that are like that that just seem like they're totally meaningless photos but i when i see them i remember like oh yes this is why i took this photograph this day and so yeah they're just uh just a couple photos of my old science lab. And I was like, oh, right. <laughs> that, was, that was five years ago. Uh, and it was, it was surprising to see it pop up in memories huh. as a, essentially like surprise anniversary that you didn't know was happening. Did you have any sense of, of it being around this time? Like, do, do you, did you knew, do you have a, a vague idea of when it was that you quit work? Like, does that ever pop into your head? Like, I, have, I, I can't remember the year mm-hmm. offhand, but I have a, like a vague idea of the season, like kind of the time frame in which I left. It caught me off guard because I've never been able to fully internalize the UK teaching schedule. Uh, having grown up with the American school schedule of the summers are very different. Even though you worked in it for multiple years, that's... Yeah, it, it was, <laughs> it really was. Like, <laughs> it, it just, I was always, like, I always had to look at calendars about when the summer was, just because it was so, so different. It just never really, my brain just did not snap together with that. Hmm. And holidays were always like, oh, what a nice surprise. Uh, <laughs> so the, the answer is no. Like, and when I saw it, I was I was really quite surprised to realize uh, oh, it was this time last year, uh, because of course it was toward the end of the school year. And also complicated by the fact, as I've uh, mentioned previously, when you're a teacher, you have to quit like three months in advance. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Which is actually, if you take the summer into advance, is a lot closer to like four or five months in advance. So it's a, it's a strange thing. Yeah, um, I did a six week notice. Yeah. Out of like kind of goodwill. And that mm-hmm. froze me off. Mm-hmm. Right, because even six weeks is a long period of time, right? Yeah, to like between when you know you're done and when you actually leave, like three mm-hmm. months. I can only imagine that being like prison, right? <laughs> like it's the closest thing I can think of, like some kind of emotional prison. 
Because at this point, you're done. You know you're leaving, but they're like keeping you there. Yeah, it wasn't. It, I wouldn't describe it as emotional prison. In, in fact, it's it's much the reverse because there's a certain amount of like, I don't have to care about any of this anymore. No, that's true. I understand why that schedule happens for teachers, but I don't think it's great for anybody involved mm-hmm. uh, because as, as the teacher is like, ah, whatever, you know, this, this, this place doesn't exist to me anymore. Uh, but you're still like teaching children for many months. Still shaping the hearts and minds. <laughs> but that that also muddies and confuses the waters a little bit in my head about when did this thing happen but so i i figure like oh i'll mark the anniversary from the day that i walked out of a school for the last time like that seems like the reasonable place yeah that's it's the day you left that's because yeah it, before that point you're still working the job you can't you're not self-employed mm-hmm. yeah no you're not self-employed if you had any kind of reflection personally on five years like if you if you did it did this trigger anything for you to sit and think about what you've achieved, where you are, where you thought you might be, and where you've actually ended up. Eh, I'm not that kind of person. Uh, <laughs> I think I was just surprised because I hadn't thought about it. Mm-hmm. But it, but I didn't. I don't know. I, I don't. I don't feel a moment to like. Oh, I'm going to sit down and reflect on these last uh, okay. few years. Let me see if I can force it. <laughs> are you where you thought you might be? Like, if you look at what your life is now, is this what you imagined? Like, if we take out the fact that there are, you know, the things that you don't think about, right? Like, the little administration frustrations and stuff like that. Like, take away the minutiae and just look at it from, like, a big picture. Is this kind of where you expected you would be in your life? Okay, so the the reason I'm hesitating about that is I don't tend to think about things in that way. Like, if we fast forward five years from now, which is how you started this question... I don't have I don't have anything like expectations for where will I be in five years from now. Well, I think this is just a question which is infinitely harder for somebody who's self-employed to somebody mm-hmm. who is within a company, right? Like it's a it's a joke, right? And it's like a thing that I can't even really answer. Like as a person who owns a company, it's a similar thing. Mm-hmm. Like trying to think where you'll be in three or five months' time or where your company will be is really difficult. But when there is an organizational structure, well, that's easier. That's a path. But mm-hmm. there isn't really a, a, a defined path when you're out on your own because there are factors and things that might happen that will change everything, which is, you know, of course, there are things like that inside of a company, but it's at least easier to answer the question because you can be like, well, I want to be a senior manager. Yeah, that's that's definitely true. The The flip side of it is, is I think when I was teaching and this thing would come up about where do you want to be in five years? And my answer to the people above me was always very clear, not in management, not with any more responsibility than I have right now. <laughs> not like, <a> like the, <laughs> no, no, but I mean, like the job that I'm doing right uh-huh. now is exactly if I'm still here, what I want to be doing. That, that's another way to kind of answer it is it's like, I just want to be a frontline teacher and I do not want to move up yeah. in this hierarchy. Well, I think that's perfectly fine. I mean, I, you know, oh, yeah. I have people that work for me back in my old corporate days who would have the answers to that question. And, and I always find it's a perfectly valid. Mm-hmm. Not everybody can or should aspire to continue moving through the ranks because there's not enough oh, yeah. spaces, right? Yeah. That's not how companies are built. They're, they're built on people that are in layers in an organization. And it's really useful to have people that want to stay where they are. Yeah, so like, that's why I'm just thinking there's, there's a more... Uh, clear career answer to that 
from a from a long time ago mm-hmm. whereas now when i think five years in the future i have i would call them targets like not even goals but just sort of targets for various areas of my life but those those come without any kind of expectation of anything how important are they to you not wildly important like they're 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 really and that's why i kind of like the word target is it's just like it's something to aim for but targets can also change and move like they're not they're not like a a goal that's like a fixed position on the earth that you're running toward like the target is just like oh this is a thing that you're steering toward but it just feels so much less important in my mind so there's like tons of time in my life where it's just like, oh yeah, I totally miss targets and it doesn't matter. It doesn't really affect me because that's not the purpose of the thing. The purpose of the thing is to just have something to aim toward. I guess the thing that I can I can say to sort of answer your question is that like I feel very fortunate to be much more successful now than I had any reasonable expectation of being at the time when I was walking out of that door. Leaving that school, I felt like I had achieved what was then what I wanted, which is I can safely leave this environment and become self-employed without too much stress or anxiety. And it's like, that's when I was walking out the door, that was the thing. It's like, okay, great. I I have achieved this. And now five years later, it's like, I'm doing more things than I, I would have expected that I was doing. So yeah, I feel, I feel very fortunate in that way. I can definitely relate to what you're saying in the I feel like I'm doing what I hoped I would do. I feel like I'm doing what I expected I could do. Mm-hmm. But it's very, it's also very different. You know, the actualization of it is, is different. I'm doing better than I thought I would. Mm-hmm. But it's still like the same thing, but the actual output, the results are different, you know? Yeah. Like I am still employed as somebody who makes podcasts for a living which is what I hoped I would be able to do. It's what I set out to do. You achieved your dream, Mike. I achieved my dream. But I've been able to do it, honestly, at a level which is much larger than I expected. And Mm -hmm. it's, you know, because I'm coming up on three years now, Hmm. which surprises me. When I think of you, I feel like you've been doing it forever, right? You know, like just my my conception of you, my, my imagination like from is that you've been doing this for so much longer and it's really surprising to me that you you, you only have two years on me like that is just a big when you mm-hmm. said it i was like oh wow because like, i don't think i really had an idea of the time frame mm-hmm. but yeah like you know it is it is an interesting thing to think about like to look back on what you thought you might be able to do and where you are and it is nice to know that you achieved it and it's nice to, i think sometimes to look back and think to yourself yeah no i did this because it can be really easy to get stuck in the day-to-day, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah. Um, I think when I realized that it was five years, my reaction is, all, it's all careers and entertainment come to an end at some point. Oh, please, I don't want to talk about this right now. <laughs> <laughs> you, don't, you, you might not want to talk about it, but I mean, look... Uh... Seinfeld was what, nine seasons? I have been spending an amount of time recently thinking Mm -hmm. on that problem of a career in entertainment Mm -hmm. only lasts so long. I've been thinking about this. It makes me very uncomfortable. Uh, Okay, so that's why you're having such a visceral reaction to this. Uh Like I've hit upon a thing which is on your mind at the very moment. Yeah. (laughs) It's just, it's something that I think is stupid to not think about. 
you know and and it ties back to what you know what I've been talking about with the fact that I have this urge to do new things mm-hmm. in that I want to make sure that I'm trying not even to be relevant because if I want to be relevant there's a million things that I could do that I don't want to do relevancy mm-hmm. is not necessarily what I'm looking for but it's to remain fresh and new and to reinvent things and move in different directions so I can pick up people along the way and also to make sure for the people that are tuning in, watching, that they're getting new stuff that they're not going to get bored of. I've always been mm-hmm. very conscious of that, like repackaging and rebranding and you know that sort of stuff. It's something that I've, I've had quite a lot of focus on in my professional career. Mm-hmm. And that is purely in the idea of trying to make sure that I'm keeping things fresh so it makes people want to keep tuning in. But yeah, I've been thinking about this. Like, how long does it last? Mm-hmm. Not forever. Not even necessarily a long time. Not forever. But it can last for long enough. It can last for long <laughs> enough. You know, because I look at other people. There have been people that have been podcasting for over 10 years. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think to myself, if I'm able to do this for 10 years and it can keep growing, then I'm probably going to be in a good situation to do something else when it's done. Mm-hmm. Like, that's what I keep thinking of, right? Is like making sure that what I'm doing right now is the best that I can do. So it gives me the ability to do something else. Hmm. when it's all said and done yeah it's funny when i talk to youtube creators i find that they fall into two categories on this topic which is category one people who assume well every morning when i wake up i could discover that it's all gone right like the algorithm doesn't love me anymore or whatever like it all it all just could disappear any morning and then the other category of people seem to just assume that it will last forever and, and find questions about the end baffling. Like their, like their meaningless Zen Cohen meditation comments, right? It's like, what do you mean an end? Like, this will, this will last forever. And I am definitely much more in the former category than the latter category. So for me, it's, my feeling is, I feel like I have been preparing for the end from day one. So it's it's not like, oh, I've never thought about this until like I noticed it was five years. But it is it's just a thing that I feel like I am constantly aware of this as a thing. And like especially being a YouTube creator, like being kind of at the mercy of the algorithm in a in a way that that makes this kind of career more vulnerable than others. And it's also particularly scary when I've seen people who I know seem to suddenly be on the end of an algorithm change that dramatically impacts their career. This this thing comes for all of us, but I think this is this is part of like any kind of any kind of self-employment. I think if you are not constantly thinking about and and planning for the future, it's almost a kind of negligence not to. Like even if you even if you don't have any realistic expectations that your career might end at any moment i think you you still need to be to some extent planning as though that might be the case uh because like you never know you never know what's going to happen and this is the great fear and abyss that comes with being self-employed which is also part of why like it cannot be universally recommended as a career path to everybody because that's like that's a thing that you always have to have in the back of your mind and you have to be ready for is is preparing for 
a future that might be quite different from the present. Why does this always happen on these episodes? What? They always get so grim. Do they get so grim? I don't remember. My memory serves that like something happens, some level of introspection occurs on the episode out of time. I mean, it's, it mm-hmm. make, kind of makes sense, right? You know, it, it, we're floating in this little vortex right now. All we have to do is to think about ourselves. And I guess right. the, you know, the harsh realities of time, they, they hit you quite hard. I don't think it's, it's not, there's nothing hitting hard. This is, there's no harsh reality. Like, this is just the way things are, you know? With, with, with everything, Mike, this too shall pass. This episode shall pass. Our lives shall pass. Everything. I don't think I want to talk to you anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Today's episode of Cortex is brought to you by our friends at Hover. We all have great ideas, and when you have a great idea, you need a website. When you need a website, you need a great domain name for it. You want something that's personal, catchy, and really tells the story of what you're trying to build. And finding that perfect domain is so easy with Hover. You don't have to opt out of page after page of add-ons when you go to hover.com to try and buy your domain. They only offer domains and email, so you can focus on finding the name that you're looking for and get back to working on your great idea as soon as possible. They also believe you shouldn't have to pay for things that should be included with your domain. Like, for example, who is privacy? Most people don't realize that when you register a domain name, your contact information is published online for marketers, spammers, and hackers to find in what is called a Whois database. Hover includes Whois privacy for free with all supported domains, so they keep your information confidential. One of my favorite things about Hover is Hover Connect. You can use Hover Connect to set up your domain automatically in just a few clicks with a bunch of popular website builders. There'll be no more digging through help articles to figure out how to get your domain working. Find the perfect domain name for your idea. Go to hover.com slash cortex and you'll get 10% of your first purchase. That is hover.com slash cortex to find out more and get 10% off your first purchase. Hover. Domain names for your ideas. Thank you so much to Hover for their support of this show and Relay FM. Considering this is an episode out of time, I wanted to talk about something that I spotted a little trend happening on Twitter a little while ago of people tweeting images of their old home screens, mm-hmm. like iOS 6 era 2012-2013 home screens. Yes, yes. There was a fun little Twitter thread about this. Yeah, who started this? Was it it was Casey? Casey started this? Yes, that's yep, right. Yeah, Casey List started it and then it went on from there. And I thought it might be fun for us to take a look at this considering, you know, home screens are our bread and butter really. Why not in an episode out of time go back in time and review and critique our past selves. So I have one example for you here and I have two examples for me. Okay. And I have 2011 and 2012. Should we start with my 2011, because it's the oldest? Yeah. So there is a link between my 2011 and 2012 home screens, which is the wallpaper. Okay, so you have some kind of movie poster poster. as your wallpaper? It's a movie poster. I I really like this wallpaper because nothing is... The icons cover everything that is relevant. The icons cover (laughs) the title of the movie. The icons the cover the central design iconography. Mm-hmm. Uh, the thing that is most clear is on a movie poster when you see all of those words below that list everybody yep. who's involved. That's the part that is the clearest visible. 
just above the dock. Yep. This is real A plus home screen material here, this 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 movie poster. Yeah, this is a terrible choice for your wallpaper. What what movie is this, Mike? This is Scott Pilgrim versus the World. I figured it had to be. Okay. So the, when I look at this now, I like I see to myself how I could have made it just so much better just by dropping it into Pixelmator and just take at least taking out the title text and all the words underneath. Right, like it would have yeah. made it vastly better. Like I don't know why I didn't do that because you'll see the seven figures up at the top. That's pretty good. They're kind of standing on the icons, right? That one's mm-hmm. not too bad. But everything else is super, super terrible. By the way, the images for all of these will be in our show notes if you want to. Of course. You, you really should be looking at this as we're talking about it. Otherwise, you have to do some real mind games to try and picture what these look like. <laughs> yeah. Well, it, it, it is it is fun to see the pre-iOS 7 transition. Yeah. Just just how different everything looks. And then, of course, this screenshot that we're looking at here, it must be an iPhone 4 or so, or like the yeah. size of the 4 mm-hmm. anyway, because it doesn't... Right, because the five has one more row of icons, mm-hmm. uh, so it's it's all it's all squashed and rectangular. I also particularly enjoy on your home screen here. There's a thing that I could not possibly abide by, which is that you have an app which is called Cha-Ching. Yeah, I'm looking at it right now. But it looks like the icon for Cha-Ching is non-retina. Yeah, it's it's the non-retina icon. Yeah. Cha-Ching, Cha-Ching was a tale of heartbreak for me. Mm-hmm. So Cha-Ching was a budget planning application that mm-hmm. I used very extensively at this time mm-hmm. in my life. The problem with Cha-Ching was it, it was active development was ceased before the iPhone 4, I think. And it was just, I, I held on to it for a few years and just over time, more and more of it was breaking. Right, And it was just... It was really sad. Like every time I bought a new phone or every time iOS was updated, the app got closer and closer to dying. Right. And it died. I don't know when it was, but it was it was just before iOS 7 and I had to move away from Cha-Ching. I actually ended up moving to no budgeting application at all. Right, of course. Because there was just nothing that would give me the exact features that I wanted. I tried a bunch and then over time I stopped doing it because the applications just weren't sufficient. It was sad. It was very sad. But yeah, you can see it there. It's on my 2011. It's also on my 2012 home screen as this app that just just refused to die. The real one here, though, that I don't know what it is, and it's the it's abhorrent, is an app called Pouch, which has got a photo as its icon. Yeah, is it like a bag of holding? Like, what did you put in there? Honestly, I don't know what it is. <laughs> I, I can't find it. It's funny to think that this is a, this is a thing that was important enough to make it on your 4x4 home screen page. Yep. And now you can't remember what on earth this thing was. So, like, the the only (laughs) thing that I can find is an app also called Pouch, which enables your 37 Signals backpack account on your iPhone and iPad. But I don't even know what that is, right? Like, I don't even know what backpack is. So, I don't know why I had it. I don't know what I was doing with it at that time. I'm assuming it's the same application. But, like, I just cannot recall why I would have ever used it. So that's actually pretty telling of my life at this point. What do, what, what do you mean? Just like trying these things to be productive. I think at this mm-hmm. point in my life, I'm like starting all of my real side projects, right? 2000, I started podcasting in 2010. In 2011, wow. I would have been getting a bit more serious about it. So mm-hmm. like an application, which is like a digital backpack, I'm sure was somehow related to me trying to become more productive. Ah, uh, right. Okay. Right. You're trying to bootstrap yourself. I see. Exactly. I see. 
there's something in there, I believe, <laughs> which is like my attempts at becoming someone who's thinking about side projects and side careers and like using productivity tools to make that happen. You could have used a podcast like Cortex to help you along, Mike. I sure could have. If only the thing is though, Gray, if Cortex would have existed then, then I would have been all right. Like, you know, <laughs> we'd be fine. We'd be fine. We might, we might have caused a time paradox. Yep. That's the real risk of doing an episode out of time. You do have the ability to just rip a hole in the fabric of time at any moment. Yeah, we have to be very careful. Very careful. Is there anything else on this screen that jumps out at you particularly? What is Iceberg? What is this thing? Oh, this was back in the day when Twitter clients were rampant. Oh, it's a Twitter client. Okay, that makes sense. Iceberg was the app that I was using, I think, when everyone was still using, like, Tweety or Twitterific. It was, like, a pretty janky in places application, but it had a lot of really interesting features that I cannot remember. But I know at the time I was using it because it allowed me to do, like, weird and wonderful things with Twitter. Mm -hmm. But, like, I was the only person that I knew that used it. Hmm. You know, as a a meta commentary, there's a thing I feel like I can't get my brain to understand the appropriate scale of which is how old and how long some pieces of software have been around on ios because in my brain ios is still new it's 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 the new shiny thing but then at the same time like the iphone came out in 2007 like it's not it's not new at all and I constantly have to use 2007 as as like a, like a year zero reference. Like I'm particularly aware of it if I'm watching movies and like movies from the 2000s. Like I think it's always useful to peg when a movie takes place relative to the iPhone because of how central something like an iPhone could be to many of the plots of movies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. right. Like a movie that takes place in 2008 or that was filmed in 2008, you realize, oh, you can't assume that people have smartphones. Like smartphones are still relatively new things. And so all sorts of wacky miscommunication plots, they're way more acceptable, even though the world still looks like a modern world, right? Like it's the nothing is really that different except for the phones being added. It's like fashions haven't changed that much. Technology and all sorts of other things hasn't changed that much. It's just the presence or absence of phones. And so, like, I don't know, like, I'm just looking at at your home screen here, and it's like, oh, right, there's Do on here, which is an app that I still use. Yep. I can't believe that. That's the thing that really surprised me, like, an application like Do that I I use all the time, and I've been using it for over five years at this point. That that was a real big surprise to me. Yeah, it's it's surprising to see. Or, like, Instapaper, which I, I, I always want to go back and look, but I'm fairly sure instapaper may have been the very first app i ever downloaded from the app store but it's like oh okay this is a thing that i have been using for a very long time now but it still feels like oh right it's this new thing that i can use to save articles there's some there's something in my brain that just can't place the age of ios and the iphone appropriately and it, it's it's constantly re-surprised at how long a bunch of these things have actually been around. Saying about aging, though, when you look at these screenshots, they do feel older than they are. Like, I'm really struck by how dark everything looks. Hmm. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, it looks like the brightness is down on all of these images. It's very strange. It's like, obviously, design changes, and now things are whiter and brighter. But everything looks really, like, dingy and dirty in a way that I can't it's very strange to me 
Well, yeah, I think it's it's a holdover from lots of stuff having textures and gradients. Yeah, shadows, isn't it? I think the the shadows and the gradients, for some reason, when I look at them now, it makes it look like, like the camera icon has been dragged through a hedge or something. Yeah, or even if you look at, for example, Reader, which is an RSS app yep. I used for a long time, the texture darkens Reader. Or I think a particularly good example is if we flip over to your next iPhone screen, the one with the yellow background. Mm-hmm. Tweetbot is a great example of they've put texture on the bird's face and it, that texture really darkens everything. So there's, yep. there's that, that's why like everything looks dark because in order to make it look 3D, you need to have parts that are dark. You can't just have a flat icon design. Should we look at the 2012 one now? See how it changed? Yep. So you see our good old friend Cha-Ching honing on. Well, it's not dead at this point. <laughs> no. <laughs> Looking worse and worse. <laughs> the, some, some of the things I find interesting is how a lot of the applications remained in their places or were replaced by similar types of applications. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So like Agenda, which was a calendar app that I don't really remember very well. Uh, Agenda, yeah. Agenda, I really miss. I, I remember that, that was my cha-ching. I remember holding on to Agenda so far past the point at which it, it, I should have been using it. Huh. Eventually, something about the sync broke. And I was like, oh, I have to let you go now, Agenda. But I, I don't even remember what it was. I just remember I really loved that calendar app. And I feel like I, I, haven't, I haven't liked a calendar app as much as I liked Agenda since. The only thing I remember about Agenda is it had themes. And some of the themes were named after popular websites in the Apple community. <laughs> it's the only thing I remember about it. <laughs> So, like, Simple Note, Reader, Dew, they all remained in the same place. Icebird mm-hmm. is replaced by Tweetbot at this point as my Twitter application. Mm-hmm. You know, the camera and Instagram, they moved over. Maps moved a little bit. I find it funny that between 2011 and 2012, I realized that the phone is not a worthy dockable application. And that moves <laughs> up one, gets replaced by day one. Right, right. <laughs> and I like, there's a couple of, like, just remnants of Mike Past in here, like Nike Fuel Band. That was a thing that I was using for a while to track fitness. And mm-hmm. app.net Rhino, an, an application for a social network that is oh, now dead. Wow. That was supposed to you know, be a Twitter replacement called app.net. That was there for a while. I remember app.net. Wow, I haven't thought about them in a long time. One application <laughs> that I, I tweeted, when I tweeted the image of this one, people were like, oh man, it was Verbs. Verbs was a, an, an IM app. You'll notice I had an IM application on my previous screen called IM Plus. Right. Like this was in the times when people were still using like AIM and MSN and stuff like that to talk. Yeah, of course, of course. That was still then, right? Like me- iMessage didn't exist at this point, I don't think. Right. So like, you know, you, you were talking to your friends on AIM, like that was what you did. The thing that also really strikes me about looking at the old home screen is the bubbleness of the notification numbers yeah like the real bubbles and it's on so top big of why does it need an outline you know like it's so much <laughs> space is taken by this yeah. as well oh and there's note just my my uh, wallpaper here that's ramona flowers she's also in scott pilgrim this was a big mm-hmm. scott pilgrim phase of me it's one of my favorite graphic novels i recommend it it's absolutely fantastic the movie's really good but the movie's better if you've read the books that's all i'm gonna say i'm mm-hmm. one of those sort of people but it's true <laughs> it is often true you don't have to apologize for that mike <laughs> simple note like we didn't talk about that last time, but Simple Note, that was an app that lasted with me for a very, very long time. Probably all the way up until Apple Notes got good, honestly. Yeah, I remember trying Simple Note, but it never stuck with me for some reason. But that was that was obviously like a big 
note taking app in the world it felt like everybody was using simple note except for me and i can't remember why you know i was picky about it for some reason or other because you're you man that's why <laughs> that hurts mike that hurts real deep. <laughs> yeah i found you to your core one of the yeah. things that i do find interesting in this one and the, the screen before is the fact that i had an rss application on my home screen and mm-hmm. now i don't even check look at rss in any way yeah yeah i, I remember transitioning away from an rss reader to just selecting a very very small subset of the rss feeds that i follow and just ifttting them straight to instapaper and it's like well i guess it was we had a good long run here rss reader but you're you are essentially now no longer needed goodbye yeah i I took the small subset and then just follow the twitter accounts Mm -hmm. and then believe as has turned out to be true that i just find out everything that i need to know by osmosis like anything that's important just gets shared and then that's kind of it yeah that's 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 exactly right i I still remember having a conversation with my wife a long time ago who may not even have been my wife at that point but about how i had discovered this thing called rss readers and i was like this is going to let me read more websites faster like this is going to be a great productivity just what we need yeah i remember her like sort of rolling her eyes at that one like oh oh yes the ability to check more websites more frequently you think like this is fundamentally a good idea i was like oh yeah this is this is this is the future and i'm like oh no no it wasn't There is something fun, right? Like I've realized in app.net on the previous screen is Path, which is another failed social network. So Path Path failed for me. Then it got replaced by app.net, which then also failed. Mm-hmm. You know, it just goes on and on and on. There's a, I also like, I've transitioned from Instapaper to Pocket. And that was purely because Pocket also had really good support for like videos and stuff as well. Right, right. So yeah. I moved to something that was more of a catch-all for multimedia. The social network stuff, or even just the like to Ching as an example, this this just reaffirms the idea that in the business world you talk about oh companies that sell software as a service, which is like subscription models, and people get all huffy about subscription models, but like this stuff just reaffirms like ultimately though all software is a service because it requires continual improvements and updates, even if small, and it's like it all erodes away if it isn't continually updated and so i i I don't know i feel like i'm just very on the other side of when people complain about subscription services i feel like but it it has to be like apps apps ultimately have to go to some kind of subscription model if you want them to last indefinitely like saying that you're against subscription model means like you're against this software lasting forever and so it's such as like looking back at the old screenshots, it's like, oh, yes, there was an app I paid a dollar for once, you know, 10 years ago. Yep. And like, it doesn't exist anymore. Why? I loved it so much. It's like, well, I think it's not too hard to figure out business wise why it didn't last. Uh, so, yeah. <laughs> Let me tell you about a new sponsor for Cortex, and that is Away. Away believe that your luggage shouldn't cost more than your plane ticket, and that's why they make smart premium suitcases for under $300. Go to awaytravel.com slash Cortex now, and you can browse their suitcases. They're all made of premium German polycarbonate, which is unrivaled in strength and impact resistance whilst remaining lightweight. They offer four sizes of suitcase, the carry-on, the bigger carry-on, the medium, and the large, and they have a bunch of 
great colors for you to choose from. Let me tell you some features about the Away suitcase. They feature a patent-pending compression system, which is fantastic if you're an overpacker, along with four 360-degree spinner wheels. All of Away's carry-ons are compliant with major U.S. airlines while still maximizing the amount that you can pack, and they all feature TSA combination locks built right in. Away suitcases have a removable, washable laundry bag so you can separate your clean clothes from your worn ones. But perhaps Away's best feature is that both sizes of their carry-on feature a USB port so you can charge your devices whilst traveling. All of Away's carry-ons feature a battery which will allow you to charge your phone five times whilst you're traveling. You will never be without power again. We have two Away cases in our household right now. I have a blue one. Adina just bought a yellow one. They are fantastic. I love it. Like This carry-on case is so good. I love that when I go on a trip with it, I have the battery built right in. I love the washable laundry bag. So you just pull it out. You put all of your dirty clothes in. And then when you get home, you just empty out into the wash basket. Away believe in the quality of their products. I love this. They offer a lifetime guarantee. If anything breaks, they'll fix or replace it for life. And they also have a 100-day trial with a no-questions-asked return policy with free shipping on any order within the lower 48 states of the U.S. Travel smarter with the suitcase that charges your phone. To find out more, go to awaytravel.com slash cortex. And if you use the code cortex at checkout, you will get $20 off any of their suitcases. That's awaytravel.com slash cortex with the code cortex for $20 off. Thank you so much to Away for their support of this show and Relay FM. All right, so let's move from 2012, my home screen, to 2013 mm-hmm. and look at yours. Mm-hmm. So one thing I'll notice is that that wallpaper is not good. Like that is a. I think I have a. I like. I have to say, um, I'm pretty impressed with past me and it's my. It's messy. It looks like it's just dirty. Like, like a really badly painted wall. For me, it's it's the same thing as always. It's like a a dark, unobtrusive background. Did you want to make the icons pop? So I'm I'm gonna give uh, I'm gonna give a thumbs up to past me oh. on his wallpaper selection. I wouldn't use it now, but. We've clearly moved here into iPhone 5 size, right? Because you have more rows on your home screen. Yes. Than I did. And you're not taking advantage of them in any way. You've got a huge gap there, a cavern, some might even call it, between the applications and the dock. There's two empty rows. That's, two that's what Mike is saying. Rows. There's possibly five rows on the iPhone 5. <sighs> and I have not empty. used two of them. Wow. Uh, because, again, I'm self-similar to past me in that he obviously didn't want to fill up his whole home screen with a bunch of stuff you can see because there's, there's two dots like there's two other screens on this phone you know now lost to the sands of time like god knows where they are i, I, th- I imagine like i just had a bunch of crap on those other screens but yeah past me he understood you wanted the, the smallest number of stuff that you can get away with on your home screen uh and so yeah no need to fill up those entire rows just looks really ugly when you do that you agree mike you know yeah sure your sweetheart agenda Right there. Yep. Uh, agenda. Yep. <laughs> what I love about agenda is how thick that icon is. Like they're really they're like we want to make it maximum three D, like, so yeah. it stands above all the other icons. <laughs> it's almost like a skyscraper <laughs> of icons. Yeah, it really is. <laughs> it's fun. Like I'm kind of like looking around on Google right now, and like I'm finding old reviews and stuff of the application, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. It, you know it, it does look really great. Like mm-hmm. it, it still now looks like just like a really full-featured, pretty good-looking calendar application. Wherefore art thou, Agenda? It's a real shame. I think Fantastical beat it out for me, just because of the natural language stuff, and it does the majority, or at least I assume did the majority of things that I needed. Mm -hmm. 
But, you know, it's funny to see, like, an application that was clearly so successful, so prevalent for, like, three years, right? Because I'm using it for two years mm-hmm. and you're using it as well. And now mm-hmm. it doesn't exist anymore. Yeah. And it, it probably is the idea that, like, we paid maybe $3 for it and then that was it, you know? Oh, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. That, that, that's what's going to happen. That's what's going to happen. So you were using OmniFocus back then? See, good old OmniFocus. Yeah, I didn't have any GTD at this point in my life. As you notice, right? Like my two previous screenshots, there's no like application solely focused around me managing my tasks. Oh, yeah, that's a good point. That's a good point. I don't have any task managers. I know if I was able to dig up an earlier home screen, OmniFocus would have replaced Remember the Milk with the little cow cow. icon. God, I hate that icon so so much. Like, and the logo, just like the cow, is so, so dumb. Yeah, it's it's not a good it's not a good icon, and they're still sticking with it. Every once in a while, like I still have my login for Remember the Milk, and every once in a while, I just like, I will log in and I'll say like, what was going on there? And I have all this old stuff that's left over from when I was teaching. But I like I will still say that Remember the Milk to this day still has features that no other to do manager has. I would say that's probably for a reason. <laughs> if not, you know, <laughs> it's been around yeah. for so long. I think everybody would have copied the the useful features by this point. Well, remember the milk right from the start was a subscription service, which I think is also the reason why it's still around. And it's like the people who want the features that remember the milk has, they are paying for it on a on a regular basis. And it's like, hey, guess what? It sticks around like it didn't it didn't go away. Like how many to do apps have have been washed away? Hundreds of thousands. <laughs> like that's I'm sure that's what it is. But remember the milk is still around and the company is still running. And it's still a useful application. I can still log into my old account and reactivate that subscription anytime that I want. Uh, so, yeah. I was going to say, pour one out for Remember the Milk, but just for me, uh, because I still miss some of its features. <laughs> I mean, you would be able to because you clearly have the milk, so you could just pour some of that, right? Like, that's how that works, I think. I guess. It's, uh, this metaphor is getting kind of gross, though. Nope, milk is fine. Milk is disgusting. Evernote, Evernote, right there, man. Look at it. Look at it. Just gracing your home screen with its green <laughs> beauty. There it is. Sucking up a whole bunch of notes from me so that it will be forever an albatross around my neck from which I cannot escape. Have you ever heard of Microsoft OneNote? <laughs> oh, no, Mike. I've never heard of Microsoft OneNote. Tell, <laughs> they did have a big me. update recently. Please I don't know if you were Oh, boy, no, yes. I, I didn't know about that. I haven't heard about that from everybody, from all the OneNoteians have who you are looked super at it? intense. Yeah, yeah. You know what? I have. I have, Mike. I have looked at Still it. Still doesn't do what you need? Nope. Doesn't do what I need. Just trying thank to help you, you, you out Thank you for bringing here, it up. Yeah, no, I appreciate that. Thank you. Yeah, it's great. Thank you. I appreciate that. You know, I, I feel like if people use OneNote, they should they should let you know why it's thanks. Yeah, no, great, why it's so great. good. So moving right along, uh, we also have Seconds Pro, which is my pre-do app serving the exact ah, same function. I wonder so what that it, was. I've never heard of it. Yeah, it, it was doing essentially a whole bunch of the similar things, repeating reminders, persistency. Stuff yeah, exactly, like that. exactly. Because it's like, man, that is still the greatest thing about Do is those reminders that you can set to poke you repeatedly at certain times like it's such a valuable feature i don't know why more apps haven't built that in and again like just to reiterate this it's not that it, like it just pings up at 12 o'clock it will then keep pinging up like every 10 5 10 minutes or something and to, or maybe even more frequently i don't know the actual time interval it's every few minutes the thing that i love about it is that you can set it for an arbitrary time interval so i have things where i'm like remind me in an hour if I haven't done the thing. And I have other ones that are set like, poke me every minute until I, I say, yes, I've done this thing. 
Uh, so that's why it's it's fantastic. I love it. It just persistently reminds you until it's done. It's not just yeah. like a one and done reminder, and that, that is what makes it so awesome. Only other thing I think of of real note on this this home screen to me is uh, good old Launch Center Pro, <laughs> probably the the longest running app that is still in the same location on my iOS devices. You still use it? Well, it's a this is an episode out of time, Mike. We can't discuss that right now because we'll we'll be giving away things but uh (laughs) okay at some like there'll be a time paradox if we discuss launch center pro in too much detail but i I will simply say that i still think about that old silver icon and miss it like i resented when they when they switched to a blue icon then this is like years ago but never a day goes by where i don't think about like i liked it better when it was silver i will say (laughs) of all of the icons that i've looked at that is the one that i would be most willing to keep around today Mm -hmm. it's Mm -hmm. it's not too bad you know like it's not too much it's not going too far i actually think it looks really good still yeah I, i i never liked the blue icon update and i also felt I felt ideologically that an app that is a launcher of other apps should have a neutral color. Sort of like settings feels like it should have a neutral color because it's related to a whole bunch of other things. It shouldn't be having its own brand being too prevalent because it's not about that. Yeah, exactly. It, sh- it should be in the background. Uh, so <laughs> every time I press the blue launch center app, I think you should be silver. <laughs> but anyway, yeah, there's a... Uh, I, I gotta say, I gotta give myself points for my old home screen. I think it looks great. Why have you got to give you your old home screens? Uh, they look terrible, just as I would expect before I came into your life. But uh, I think I think I'm doing pretty well on my old home screens. I, I really do. It's good. It's good stuff. So, Gray, I would like to invite some of our listeners to lunch with us today and take a look at some Ask Cortex questions that we've been getting because I collect them all up. You know, people can tweet with the hashtag Ask Cortex. They can even tweet it to me personally, Gray. Mm-hmm. That's nice. Did you know that, that I am at iMike, I-M-Y-K-E on Twitter? I did know that. And that people should follow me on Twitter? Now, I'm just going to say at this point, before you object. Object to what? We've been doing this for like two years, and I have never once done that. Why would I object to you begging for Twitter followers? You can do that if you want. I think that people would enjoy it if they followed me on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> for lots of hashtag content, you know? Okay. F- follow iMike on Twitter, people. Thanks, Gray. He wants your Ask Cortex questions. <laughs> I'm definitely not thinking about the preparation for my future when, <laughs> when I beg for Twitter followers. <laughs> okay, so let's take a look at some questions here, shall we? So our first question, Gray, comes from Greener, and Greener asks that Cortex usually discusses being productive whilst running a business, presumably to free up time and resources to spend with loved ones. Greener wants to know a few things. One, how do you both get the most from the time that you spend with your significant others? Before we can even answer that, that first part of this, uh, I think that there's, a, there's a comment on this question that I kind of want to make for anybody who is thinking about being self-employed, which is that I think it's very natural that you are going to be terrible at freeing up time and resources, especially at the beginning of your self-employment career. Yep, let's say it gives the ability to does not mean that you have the tools to be able to do this. Yeah, it's like it's just like there's a lot of an assumption in there, but it is remarkably hard to do. But it's an assumption that literally everybody makes, I think. Yes. When they're yeah. going into this. I can think of everyone I know who is self-employed in some manner 
describes at least the first couple of years being just a total absorption of all time, attention, and effort. Uh, so, so it's like, if you're like, oh, uh, we just had a brand new baby and I'd love to spend more time with my child. So I'm going to become self-employed today. Uh, you're not going to see that kid until he's walking. Yeah, that's the worst time to do it. <laughs> do it before. <laughs> don't, don't do that, right? Do it two years before, right? Or two years after, but not at the same time. And this is just like a universal experience that everyone I've talked to about this has had. And it's certainly been my experience that I only feel like I have in the past few years even gotten better at doing this kind of thing about separating out the work and being able to spend more time uh, with loved ones. It's just it's just impossible to do in the first few years because you're really learning you're really learning how you work and what sort of boundaries will work for you and what sort of boundaries won't work for you. Like, what do you want your working environment to be like? There are just so many things here that it's very hard to do this right at the start. (laughs) So uh, while I have definitely gotten better at freeing up time and resources over time, uh, I was not very good at it at the beginning yeah let me just add on to that to say that i'm gonna talk about some ways that that when i'm with adina i try my best to be with her but Mm -hmm. i can't give you any concrete advice into how you make sure you're freeing that time up yeah that is the hardest thing to do because really what i've noticed is what happens and what's happening i think to me maybe now is i'm just getting to the point in my career where i can just take the gas off a little bit in mm-hmm. that I can hand things to other people to take care of, right? That I'm able to say no to some projects more and to be able to just really refine the amount of time that I spend on certain things to the point where I can free up an afternoon, I can free up a day. Mm-hmm. I'm getting to that point now. Yeah, that's good to hear. I'm glad to hear that that you feel like you can take your foot off the accelerator just a bit. But the last few months especially, I've been like, oh, okay, like I can... I can spend the afternoon time for myself, mm-hmm. right? I can spend the afternoon with Adina because she's off work today and things don't explode. Like I'm, I'm getting a lot better. At, it's not even so much the workload. It's my approach to it. And, and that's the biggest thing. Really, it's not necessarily your workload that's going to get in your way. It is your approach to how you deal with your work. And I'm finding myself now being more confident in the fact that everything's going to be all right. I think that's a really excellent point uh, that I I hadn't considered there, because if I think about my own career, my workload was much less when I was starting, but I handled it way worse. (laughs) Uh, Whereas now I feel like my workload is much higher five years later from the beginning than it was at the start, but I handle it vastly better. So I actually feel like I have more time to spend than I did at the start, even though I also have more to do. And that, that's part of, of learning how you work. Uh, but yeah, it, it, yeah, that's, that's an excellent point that the, the size of the workload is not related to how well you handle it. As for the actual question about how do you get the most from the time you spend with significant others, I, th- I feel like for, for me, I don't have anything specific to say except a, except a general kind of awareness of a, a real presence in quality time so like my wife and i are are, um 
going to be going on a trip. And I I find like it is extremely important to in those moments be be able to feel like this is quality time and to just be able to totally put work out of my mind during those times. And that's really the the skill is is, is like being being there and not having background processes running in your mind where you're worried about work like that that's how time can be quality time but again that's just that's just like a thing that you have to learn how you can get better at over time that for me is what makes quality time quality time is that i can really focus on what is occurring and not have the background process of my mind worrying about other work stuff yeah i think for me it's if i was going to sum it up it's just self-control Mm-hmm. You know, like there are times I, I try and feel the situation that we're in. You know, there are times when we might just be hanging out on the sofa where it's totally fine for me to just pick up if something comes in for me to do it. Mm-hmm. But when I do that, I explain what I'm doing. I try and do that right to try and be like, this is what I need to do right now. It, you know, it won't take me very long, but I have to take care of it. This is why to try and just like, set the expectation for why this is important enough for me to jump into it now. Mm hmm. But then there are also times when we're sitting on the sofa where, like, I just don't because it's uh, it's feeling the situation that we're in. And, you know, we're taking a vacation and I'm doing my utmost to hand over everything possible during that period of time to other people to take care of. So if I'm going to do any work, I'm going to do real limited work during that period of time, to, to tr- <laughs> you know, which will be the f- honestly, Gray, will be the first time I've ever done that. Hmm. And the whole time that I've been running my company. I've never taken a vacation where I've set things up the way that I'm setting things up now. Interesting. Having people fill in for me on my shows, handing as much stuff over to my assistant as possible. I will not be setting an out of office on this trip, but I will be on our honeymoon. So like this is this is a dry run for me. <laughs> this is a dry run for the honeymoon. To okay. see how far can I go and then to know what I need to do for the big trip where it's going to be 100% no work for two weeks is the plan. Mm-hmm where this one is like a week, and I'm going to try and uh, take a dry run at being completely focused on just spending that time, which is going to be really difficult because when you run your own thing, it's so it's not just something you think about. It becomes part of your personality. Mm. You are built around the fact that this is how your brain works. And when you're making all of the decisions and they come from your brain, well, those decisions and those thoughts and those feelings can come at any time, and it becomes yeah. part of you. So to be able to turn it off is very difficult. But again, it's about how much self-control and restraint can I show to not jump in and record that bonus episode right now because I had a great idea. You know, like how do I pull back? And and that's what I've I've been focusing more on it. And I have some tests coming up and I'll let you know how it goes. (laughs) I'll be curious to hear that. Yeah. Yeah. So will I. This episode of Cortex is brought to you by Audible, the home of all the audio content you could ever want. From thrilling novels to fascinating nonfiction to content from newspapers and magazines, if you want it, Audible has it. For this episode out of time, I'm going to recommend to you a book that I think anyone could read at any time. It's called Essentialism, The Disciplined Pursuit of Less by Greg McEwen. It's a book that emphasizes the idea that whether you're thinking about your life or your business, you need to focus on the things that 
really matter. And it's a great kind of book to listen to in the background maybe a couple of times. I know that I have revisited it as an Amsterdam Greycation book on a couple of occasions. I really liked it, and if you feel like you're getting pulled in many directions, it's a great book to listen to. And of course, that's the great thing with audiobooks is that you can use all kinds of time that would otherwise be dead time to help improve yourself. You might be on your commute to work, you might be doing your laundry, you might be cleaning the house or doing some chores or some errands. That is a great time to listen to audiobooks, and I know errand time for me is big audiobook listening time. Seriously, if you're listening to podcasts and you haven't yet gotten into audiobooks, you are missing out. So go to audible.com slash cortex, C-O-R-T-E-X, to find out more and start your free Audible trial today. That's audible.com slash cortex. Thanks to Audible for their support of this show and all of Relay FM. Emily has a question related mm-hmm. to your vlog. Mm-hmm. There's a moment in the vlog where you open Slack and you say something to the effect of <laughs> enabling the dead man switch, call my lawyer and all this stuff. Can you please explain what level of uh, peculiarity that is? I, I mean, this is very intriguing to me because I don't fully understand what's going on here. <laughs> it's a dead man switch, Mike. I don't understand what I need to explain. <laughs> Let's start with what is a dead man switch? A dead man switch is the idea that there is an action that you as a a person need to perform on a regular basis in order to prevent something from automatically occurring. I've usually heard this in the the context of computer security. So an example of a a dead man switch is like, let's say you were really paranoid about your computer security. And you you are a programmer, and what you do is you write a little program that on your computer, every day you have to type a certain phrase in your notes app. And if that phrase isn't typed, a, a computer will execute and will automatically wipe your whole computer clean. So th- this might be the idea like, oh, you're really paranoid about your data falling into somebody else's hands. And so... If the computer is not touched by you for 24 hours, like even if it's not connected to the internet, there's a way in which it's going to do this thing to wipe itself clean automatically. So that, that's like, that's an idea of a dead man switch. You have failed to do something, so a process begins. When I worked in the bank, we had code words that we would use. And if the code word was, was or wasn't used, it would activate a security protocol. Hmm. Meaning that you're under duress. Yes, yes, yeah, that's right. Actually, and I realize that that's a good example. There's, um, I know in the airlines there have been similar kinds of things, like the the failure to use a code word in a communication indicates yep. that there is a problem. Which is when when if you think about it for a minute, a much better system than like requiring a code word for there to be a problem, mm-hmm. because it may be difficult for the person to give the code word under certain circumstances. Okay, so now the particular thing that was happening. <laughs> the stage is set, so here we the go. stage is set for this for this concept, which is the dead man switch. So, without getting into any specifics, uh, crossing the U.S. border, even for U.S. citizens, over time has become the kind of thing where, for funsies, you can be detained indefinitely, even as a U.S. citizen. 
border security can just decide that they want to hold you for a really long time, you know, and put you in a special room. Yeah. And once I had this happen to me, uh, <laughs> being detained for a very long time at the border, and it was no fun. Uh, it's no fun at all. So what, what I was doing in the vlog with this dead man switch is all I wanted to set up was to let somebody know that they should be hearing from me within the span of two hours. So I had landed at the airport. I was about to go through border security and I just sent the message, which activates the dead man switch. Like, if you do not hear from me within two hours, you should just assume that I am being detained for funsies indefinitely by border security. And if that happens, you should just just get in touch with my lawyer and let's like start the machinery rolling. And so the, the reason to do something like this is the stories are quite interesting about people who get detained at the border. Uh, but like you can be held incommunicado for very long periods of time. And that is not great. So all it is, is it's like a little bit of a traveling peace of mind that you that like I can know that if I'm in the situation, which is very unlikely, but if I am in this situation, like the machinery of legal protection is spinning up without me having to invoke it because I may not be able to invoke it for a long time. Uh, so that's that's what's happening there with the dead man switch. Okay, so my feeling mm -hmm. on this is I have two things. One, the fact that you have been detained excuses this for me as a crazy man's thing. Okay, right. Okay, so that makes it that makes it more real for you. Yeah, well, because you know, my feeling was like, what's he doing? Like this? Oh, <laughs> why thanks, you go into these lengths? But if you have been involved in this, right? Like if this type of thing has happened to you before, then it makes perfect sense. Like it's not an act of pure paranoia. Yeah, it's it's not an act of pure paranoia. And and the thing, the thing which I always kind of have to explain is. I am not a normal traveler crossing the border because of my dual citizenship. Sure. So, like, I am pulled aside and searched at a at a frequency which is much greater than a than a regular traveler. Okay, dokie. Well, that makes sense. The other thing is, I'm slightly disappointed that this doesn't have an amazing name, like Activate Project Hades, right? Or like <laughs> Protocol Zeus. You know, <laughs> I feel like you could do better than this. Yeah, I mean, I could come up with a better. A better activation name in the future for that vlog. That was that was the first time it had occurred to me that like I have a I have an actual way to solve this kind of problem. Like I have the ability to put a mechanism in place to get things started. Oh, was this the first time you'd done it? So that was actually the first time I had done okay, it. Okay, now it needs a name. Now you've so got now, a system yeah, okay, in place. Yeah, we'll have we'll have some kind of protocol which will have a cool name. You know, you could build like a Slack bot that could do a lot of this work for you. You know that, right? Like you could automate this. You know, you you let the Slack bot know, and then it will do the notification to your lawyer. <laughs> you don't even need a human. I want a human in the loop, right? Because I'm not, uh, I'm not right, like, okay. oh, how confident am I about my ability to automate? Like, that's true. Not when it's serious. That's true. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> yeah. This is this is not a time to now. be like, oh, I'm so clever with my workflows. Right? It's like really. <laughs> Look at me. <laughs> yeah. Are you 100% clever in your workflows? <laughs> I have a pretty good success rate, but then again, it could be uh, it, it could be a disaster that I'm just not aware of. <laughs> yeah, but so anyway, that's the dead man switch. I have a question here from Jack. Now, this is 
A question that Jack has given to us that I hear a lot, um, and I think it might be interesting to talk about why this isn't a thing. Jack wants to know, mm-hmm. why don't you just commission an email app made to your specification? <laughs> I hear this a lot, right? Because me and you have very particular thoughts about things, especially when it comes yeah. to apps that we use to get our work done. Email mm-hmm. apps is maybe the biggest, right? You know, we're yeah, both very particular about our email apps. We're never happy. Mm-hmm. Why don't we just commission an email application made to your specifications? So my answer, Jack, is I don't have enough money <laughs> to do that. Like that, to get that done would be an incredibly expensive job that I would just be pouring money into for honestly no real return. I think. Yeah, I mean this. This is a bit like I live in London. The apartment that I live in is is not exactly to the specifications that I would want. <laughs> well, you've built a house. Why, why don't yeah. I commission the creation of an apartment to match my specifications? I, I think this is the kind of thing where the the scope of this is much bigger than it might seem. Yeah. And there's just a there's a colorful icon that you tap, and it opens, and there's email. Like it seems, it seems so simple, but I, I know from people who have worked on this kind of stuff that uh what is it it's the um uh, is it smtp like that's the protocol that's used for email Mm -hmm. it's like oh okay well you just need to write something to the smtp protocol it's like oh yes uh except that all of the major email providers use a slightly different version of this it's like oh okay so your work just multiplied by at least tenfold before we've even begun that it's not, oh, write a thing to this specification. It's write a thing to Google's version of this specification and Microsoft's version of the specification and Fastmail's version of the specification. This is work that would never stop. This is an infinite money pit. Yeah. It, like, it's different if you're making this app to sell on your own. You're not paying for it. You're just using your time, right? Like, yeah. if we're commissioning something, we're paying for someone. We're hiring someone to, to do this, which is... Yeah. Very difficult and very expensive. Yeah, yeah, and something like an email app. I I think there are, there are very few there are very few people who could be single individuals who could do this in any reasonable time frame on their own. Yes, so so now mm-hmm. so now it's actually well we're hiring three people. It's like wait a minute, like I'm starting a, a software company now. Uh, like we're having weekly scrum meetings about this email and app. Right? Stand up. Yeah, yeah. You've got to have your stand up in the morning. Uh, and, and so it just, I think the, the cost of this is, is vastly beyond what people anticipate. And it's like, well, I know we will hear from loan developers who have made email apps, but now this is, this is like a very different question from we're paying someone to make a thing. Yeah. And the, like the, the recouping, recouping the cost of that. It's just, I think it's, totally on it's totally unworkable in any practical way because here's the other thing if you're willing to do this for free i can't do that because i can't confirm that you'll ever make any money other than the ten dollars i'll pay you for the app right like i can't it's you can't do it in good conscience either like this has to be something that you would hire someone to do yeah and that just ain't happening. Like I, I prefer to take my current route where I send emails to developers that I like and kindly request <laughs> that they <laughs> that they add functionality for me, the same as anybody else can. Exactly. And and the other side of this is, I think we can all look at the bloody battlefield of dead email apps and not feel super confident. That this is a slam dunk business decision, yeah. even if you could make it happen. Yeah, let's let's assume that it's actually just not. 
right? <laughs> like there is no logic in this. Yeah. So uh, I, I think it's a it's a terrible idea all around. That that's why that's why we have not commissioned an email app to be made to our specifications. We both have very strong opinions about home screens, as has already been detailed in this episode. Mm-hmm. I want to know how you feel. This is a question from me to you. Oh. I want to know how you feel about apps that let you change their icon. Great. Yeah? More, more apps should do it. All apps should do it. A friend of ours, James Thompson, developer of PCalc, mm-hmm. he went a little bit off the reservation and created a million icons. But I nope. love it. I absolutely love it. He did a, he did a great job. It. Yeah, I, I disagree. He, I don't think he went off the reservation at all. Well, I'll uh, say that James got a little bit carried away, I think. It started disagree. with five, and nope. then he's quick. I don't even know how many. He has like a million icons now in his app. But I love them because I'm able to make choices that fit with my own aesthetic preferences. Mm-hmm. I think it's fantastic. I love it. Uh, my, uh, we have a question from Rick who asks what Reddit client we use. So I can roll this one up into there. My Reddit client of choice, Narwhal, also lets me do this. And I have a nice... I, the app I use is in a dark mode, and they have mm-hmm. icons that are dark icons. It's the same for mm-hmm. Overcast. I use Overcast dark mode, and yep, uh, they have a, a dark icon there as well. I really like this, this layer of customization. I think this is awesome. Yeah, I, I, I wish more apps should do it. And to any app developers who are out there, I just want to specify, I think you should do it. And I think it should be in an app purchase. Like this, oh, this, definitely. This is a no-brainer, easy path to additional revenue to support the development of your app. Mm-hmm. Because this, this is exactly the kind of thing, this is like selling hats in World of Warcraft, right? Like it does, does it consumable. affect the functionality? Not at all. Is it a thing that people like to customize their stuff? Tons. So this this is like the most no-brainer of no-brainer. If you're sitting around thinking, how can I get more additional revenue out of my app? Customizable icons has got to be one of the biggest bangs for your buck that you can possibly do. Make a few different colored versions, stick it up as an in-app purchase, boom, done. Uh, like easy money for not too much work compared to, say, adding new features to your app. Uh, so I, I wish more apps would do it. And I will happily pay more apps to customize the icons if they make that an option. Yeah, I think it's fantastic because why not, right? Yeah. Make it make it part of just these additional features, some kind of pro level, whatever. But mm-hmm. let me pay and let me customize. I think it's a great, like just a nice little addition, a nice little enhancement. Yeah. And every one of you app developers, you should look look up to James Thompson and PCalc for the way you should do custom icons. Yep. Side note, me and Gray forced James to charge for these, uh, which I think is kind of hilarious. I think it's fair to describe it as bullying. Yeah, uh, I think we I did. think it's fair totally to say did. that we bullied James into making them paid, uh, which I also think is funny. Is like I'll be super angry with you if you don't make me pay for this thing that you're yep. doing. Sorry, James, but we did it for your own good. Yep, and I think he's very happy. I think he's very happy. <laughs> yeah, I have a couple of questions here that are about some to-do system particulars that I quite enjoy. Isaac asked, when writing a new task in your to-do application, do you start the task of a capital letter? <laughs> what do you do, Mike? Oh, I have to. Okay. I can't look at that list later on and then not be the, the sentence capitalized because sometimes my <laughs> tasks are sentences, right? Well, actually, very frequently they're sentences. 
There has mm-hmm. to be like, the punctuation and correct capitalization. Is, it all goes in. I mean, luckily as well, I do most of this on iOS, so the capitalization is done automatically. But even if I'm if I'm adding something on my Mac, I'll put a capital letter in myself. Yeah, yeah. I'm laughing because, I mean, years and years ago, I decided on the CGP Grey style guide for this kind of thing. I really hope that there's a document that exists. There, there is literally a CGP Grey style guide text file. Oh, man, I want to see that one day. Nope. Because uh. <laughs> <laughs> I could imitate you. That's all I need. There's a bunch of stuff that's in there, uh, but yes, it's, it is a text file, which is surprisingly useful because there's, there's a bunch of corner cases that I sort of forget. And it's like, oh, great, past me made a decision about this, and I'll just see what he did. But for my task manager, the style guide is that tasks uh, start with a capital letter, like, like it's a sentence, uh, but projects are written in title case. So that's, that's the way I, I do this. If it's mm. a project, it's written in title case. And if it is a task, it is first letter capitalization only. And a very brief description, title case is when you capitalize most words in a sentence. Yeah, it's, it's the way like a movie will be capitalized. Yeah. Right, well, it'll be like Night of the Living Dead of the won't be capitalized, but the rest of the words will be. Yeah. If you're ever interested in finding out how to format this, by the way, there is a fantastic online tool that I use quite a lot at titlecase.com. I just wanted to recommend that as a little tip for people. It has a yeah. bunch of, it can format text in a bunch of different ways for you. And we title case all of our episode titles. And sometimes I'm not 100% sure how to do it. So I use titlecase.com. Yeah, I use, I use titlecase.com in, in, in the case where there's any ambiguous capitalization. It's the referee. It seems like it should be super obvious, but you can run easily into a, uh, an ambiguous case. And so I, I use titlecase.com as uh, the final judgment on what's going to be capital or what's not going to be capital if i'm not sure so i would say mostly final judgment sometimes i will change something if it just doesn't look right yeah yeah every once in a while there's one that's just ugly i'm like well i'm not gonna look at that it's like six words every single one of them is capitalized except for of and i'm like "Mm, i just gotta capitalize it there's nothing i can do here it's over And I really like this one, this question from Chai. Do either of you complete a task that's actually not on your to-do list, add it to your list, and then mark it as complete? I, 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 no, I find this a really bizarre behavior. And I, I remember first coming across this as a teacher because one of my students did it in front of me. Like she wrote down a thing that she had already done to then cross it off in her little journal. And I was totally baffled by this behavior like what i i like i think now i can conceptualize why people do it but i was i was super confused at first i i, I don't do this i find it sort of strange but I'm, I'm guessing that you do from your reaction from time to time i have done this i've done I also do some things like this like if i have to rearrange a task but i've done part of it but it's not done yet you know, I might move the task and then make another one and check it off. So I've at least mm-hmm. got the satisfaction of doing the checking. Plus, I use Todoist, which actually does do some kind of like tracking of your statistics. And like you uh, can get a streak okay. going. So, and right. sometimes so like if I'm right. one away from keeping the streak, but I like can't complete this. Like say, for example, the task is right. like because I, I have some stupid t- tasks, which you would yeah, hate. No. Something like Q3 sponsorship. Right could be a task, right? But that's not a task that I'll complete in a day, but I might knock chips out of it every day. Right. So then I'll be like, well, I deserve something because I did some stuff today. So I might add myself a little task in and check it off. 
Yeah, no, but I, I see what you're doing here. You're juicing your stats like the city of Baltimore. Like that's that's what you're up to. You're like, oh yes, look at all these look at all these tasks that were ticked off today. <laughs> but you're just you're you're creating ones to be ticked off. I'm a very productive human being. I, I'm I'm sure you are. I have a 29 week streak going on here. No, oh, well, you can't can't let that break. Can't break the streak, even if nope. it's even if it's the truth. Um, hey, it's the truth. <laughs> Well, yeah, it's the truth because you've made it the truth. Mm. Uh, you can't handle the truth. <laughs> you can't handle the truth. <laughs>